Now I'd like to take opportunity in this final session of ministry of the Word of God at this conference time to express my personal gratitude to the assembly here at Midland Park for their very kind invitation to me to come for the conference and I really have enjoyed fellowship with you beloved saints and indeed with other assemblies too. Now I want you to turn with me um, this afternoon to Psalm number 35. Psalm number 35. Now, maybe I should tell you what it is I have in mind, and then as we read the scriptures, you can keep that very much in your mind. I'm not going to draw a board of venture today. I don't need to. Because it's not as if maybe the message I have in my mind is for just one person. I want to speak to you about believers getting hurt. There are likely some here today and you are hurting. You've been hurt. And a big challenge to you is how do I handle this? Now keep that in your mind as we read from this psalm and then when I've read it I would really encourage you as you've done so well already just to keep your Bible open for we want to look at quite a lot of detail out of Psalm 35. Now let's commence our reading at verse number 1, please. Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for mine help. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute. The word is really against them that pursue me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise my hurt. Let them be as chaff before the wind, and let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery, that the angel of the Lord, same word as we read earlier, pursue them. For without cause have they hid for me their net in a pit, which without cause they have digged for my soul. Let destruction come upon him at unawares. And let his net that he hath hid catch himself. Into that very destruction let him fall. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones say, shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee which deliverest the poor from him that is too strong for him, yea, the poor and the needy from him that spoileth him. False witnesses did rise up 
They, they laid to my charge things that I knew not. They rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling or the bereaving of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my, my prayer returned into mine own bosom. I behaved myself as though he had been my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth for his mother. But in minor adversity, they rejoiced and gathered themselves together. Yea, the abject, the smiters gathered themselves together against me, and I knew it not. They did tear me and, and ceased not. With hypocritical mockings and mockers and feasts, they gnashed upon me with their teeth. Lord, this is a big question for some people who are going through trial. Lord, how long wilt thou look on? Rescue my soul from their destructions. My darling from the lions, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of the psalm, but we probably will make reference to some of the verses there. This is a psalm, of course, it's called a psalm of David. Now, there's a problem in that. It's not really a problem, but it's hard to know just when the psalm was written. Some think it was written by David in his earlier years when he was hunted like a partridge in the mountain, in the mountains by King Saul. Others think, no, no, it was written much later in his life when there were great insurrections in the kingdom. Well, I don't know when it was written, but one thing I do know. It is sitting brimful with lessons for the beloved saints of God today. It may well be as we begin to look at the detail, you will find, oh, this is a mirror image of some of the difficulties I've been going through. So here's what I want us to think about. I want us to think, first of all, about David's hurt. And then the psalm goes further. It really develops the depth of David's hurt. Mind you, some hurt can be very deep. The depth of David's hurt. But thank God the psalm develops in a big way David's help. You see, when you're hurting, you need help. And this psalm develops in a big way David's help and David's hope. It's not all black, beloved saints. Please remember that. Even if you're hurting, remember there's help. So with David's help and David's hope. We look again, and yes, we do get it. We have David's happiness. Very interesting. It comes out marvelously in this psalm. You may say, how could a man who's hurt be happy? Well, just you listen. Very interesting. David's happiness. And then there's a big issue for all of us here today. We'll call it David's honorable behavior. You see, beloved saints, sometimes when a brother's hurt, he doesn't behave very well. Maybe when a sister is wounded, can I say it? Sometimes it can bring out the darker side in the individual. But when we look at David's hurt, 
we're going to put our finger easily in this this psalm upon David's honorable behavior. Now, there's quite a lot to get through, but with God's help, we'll get through it. The first thing I want you to notice is David's hurt. I'm not using words that are not in the psalm. I want you to look with me, please, or maybe I should have said, you can divide the psalm into three sections, verses 1 to 10. Now, each of the three sections are built on the same model. 1 to 10, 11 to 18, and then 19 to 28. But if you go through each of those sections, you'll find a little triad, as it were, repeated in each of them. First of all, in each section, with David's pain. And that results in David's prayer. And the outcome is David's praise. You see, don't do sort of, it's not sort of the order anyway. Pain can make us pray. And we get pray and we get help from God, then the outcome of that should be praise. Now, here's what I want to say to you, dear sister, dear brother. Please, please, if you can, with divine help, and as God would even use the beloved saints to strengthen you, please move on a bit from the pain. Don't get stuck at the pain. And you may say, well, that's all right for you, Tom. Well, okay, I accept what you're saying. Well, just come with me now to the psalm, please. First of all, David's hurt. I want you to notice, please, here, in regard to David's hurt, I want you to notice verse number four. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise my hurt. You see, this was personal. David himself puts pen to paper and he writes about my hurt. The man was hurting. Look again, please, at verse number 26. 26. Let them be ashamed and brought to confusion together that rejoice at mine hurt. So twice in the psalm, he speaks about my hurt. And he was really hurting. Now, I have a doubt in my mind today, not a shadow of a doubt, that there are folk, and you're sitting before me today, and maybe in some cases nobody knows it, but you're hurting. Maybe it was hurt. From within the assembly. Maybe it's hurt from within the family. Maybe it's hurt in regard to your sphere of labor or study. But you're hurting. And you could, if you would, you could speak about my hurt. Now let's come a wee bit closer to David. I want you to think about the depth of David's hurt. This is not a superficial hurt. This is not a thing that will pass in the night. Did you ever notice in this psalm, please, that David mentions not only my hurt. Seven times he mentions my soul. You know, before I got up, I was thinking of that hymn written by a man who was hurting deeply, G.H. Spafford. This word, my soul, that brought the hymn to my mind. Do you remember his wife and family were crossing the Atlantic Ocean toward Europe? He was a Chicago lawyer himself. He wasn't with them. He lost all his family. His wife alone was saved. 
rescued. Two years later, he wrote the hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, listen to it please, it is well, it is well with my soul. Do you know what your soul is? Your soul is you. Your soul is you. And maybe you are hurting today. Just get your eye on the passage, just for a very quick moment, please. Hope I can pick these out all right now. Look at verse, the end of verse number three. Say unto my soul. Look at verse number four, just into the verse a bit. That seek after my soul. Now, I might miss one or two of these, I'll try not to. Look at the end of verse seven. They have digged a pit which they have digged for my soul. Verse nine, and my soul. Verse number 13, but as for me, no, sorry, verse number 12, the end of the verse, the spoiling or the bereaving of my soul. Look at the middle of verse 13. I humbled my soul. And lastly, I love it, verse 17, here's the prayer bit. Rest In the middle of the verse, please, rescue my soul. This man we can look not only at David's hurt, but we can look at the depth of David's hurt. It was his very soul. Now look again, please, and the depth of David's hurt. You see, could I put it to you, to you like this, beloved saints? There's hurt, and there's hurt, if you know what I mean by that. Some hurt's harder to take than others. Let's take a look at this, please. The depth of David's hurt. Why was he so hurt, affecting his very soul? Well, let's look at it, please. Look again at verse number 4. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them, and let them be turned back and brought to naught that devise my hurt. Now, this hurt just didn't happen. This hurt was a result of scheming. Scheming. There were people planning it and devising it, and that's very hurtful. And David knows that, and that compounded the hurt. And, and look again, please, at uh, well, verse number 7. Oh, the way this verse begins, you can understand why he was hurt. For without cause, without cause, have they hid for me their net and so on. Notice, Without cause. In other words, David hadn't merited this at all. You see, that makes hurt far worse. You remember what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2. You know, if you're buffeted for your faults, and you take it patiently, well, what glory is it? David wasn't being... He wasn't being hurt because of his faults. In fact, the contrary. He says in verse 7, it was without cause. Without cause. And, and you'll notice, please, in this, in this verse 7, you get that expression twice. For without cause of the head for me their net in a pit. Without cause. They dug the pit and they had no cause to dig the pit. This man has been badly treated. The hurt was deep. Look at verse 19, for example. Verse 19, let not them that are mine enemies, notice please, wrongfully 
See, that's what made it so hurtful. David had done nothing whatsoever to merit their attack. They're his enemies wrongfully. And their assault, as it were, on him was without cause. Look again at verse 19, please. See verse 19. Um, Let not them that are mine enemies wrongfully rejoice over me. Neither let them wink with the eye. Oh, you see winking. I must admit, no time I'd wink with my eye myself. But, you know, can you just see these boys winking at another? Well, we'll get them. We'll get them. Winking with the eye. It is all part of the devising and scheming. And they're winking at one another. Almost saying, he'll not, he'll not know what has happened till it hits him. And that's a sort of the idea. We look again at 19. Let not them that are mine enemies wrongfully rejoice over me. Neither let them wink with the eye that hit me. Please notice, without a cause. You see, this is why the hurt was so deep. It was without cause. We've read that three times in the psalm. And it was wrongfully, you know, there were his enemies wrongfully. And that's why the hurt was so deep. Could we pause for a moment? What about my blessed Lord? The beautiful messianic Psalm 69, the Psalm of the trespass offering. And verse 3, they that hit me without a cause... You know the Lord Jesus was unrighteously treated. And how they abuse, imagine blindfolding the one who is all-seeing. They that hit me without a cause, the messianic says, Sam says, are more than the hairs of my, mine head. They that are mine enemies wrongfully. So the Lord Jesus was hated without a cause. He had his enemies, there were enemies wrongfully. Here's David. And they hated him without a cause. There was any, is that any wonder it was so hurtful? You know, I often think of my blessed Lord. Many a time I've thought of this. I'm sure it must have hit him, have hurt him deeply when Pilate said, Thine own nation deliver thee unto me. That was hurtful. I think of my blessed Lord, and I think we've been hearing much about him today already. I think of him, and what happened when the nation delivered him. Peter denied him. Judas betrayed him. The disciples forsook him and fled. Pilate wrongly sentenced them to death. He says, I have examined them before you. Find no fault in this man touching those things whereof you accuse him. I have found no cause of death in this man. But he still delivered him to be crucified. He was treated wrongfully. And it was without cause. Oh, we know judicially in God's eyes, the cross was vital. There's a great cause in that. And it was our blessing. I want to still just stay with this little bit of David, the depth of his hurt. Okay. My soul, without cause, wrongfully, but something more. I want you to please at verse number 11. False witnesses did rise up. They laid, they laid, this is awful. They laid to my charge 
things that I knew not. Oh, how hurtful. Dear brother, has somebody said something about you that's not true and you know it's not true and maybe they know it's not true? As Christians, we need to be very careful about what we say with our tongue. We need to be ultra careful about what we say regarding our fellow believers putting a negative slant on things. False witnesses. Well, what about my blessed Lord? Matthew 26, is it about verse 61 or 2 or whatever? Imagine the chief priests with the scribes and the rulers, that august religious body of leaders of the nation. You know what they did? They sought false witnesses against Jesus to put him to death. They weren't worried about a lowwood stoop to achieve their objective. And David is hurting because it was all without cause. It was wrongfully. And there were false witnesses. And then look at verse 20. For they speak not peace, but they devise deceitful words. Now, I know we're good authorized as the word matters, but they devise deceitful words against them. Notice, please, that are quiet in the land. It was David and his supporters. They weren't doing anything wrong. They were quiet in the land. They weren't the problem. And yet they were devising deceitful words against them. That's how deeply David was hurting. Now, you're maybe hurting deeply too. Now, the question is this. Is there any help? Is there any hope? Well, let's look at the psalm, please. You see, when you're hurting, oftentimes you need help. And beloved child of God, don't be afraid to seek a little bit of help. Oh yes, be ultra careful with whom you share. You don't want to share your your problems with one of the town's gossips. You've got to be selective and careful. It would be awful for someone to share a deep personal problem with you. And before the, the clock strikes the midnight hour, you've been on the phone six times to people telling them. Shameful. Let's come back, please, to David's help and David's hope. I love it, you know. Uh, look at, just look at verse 2. Uh, well, let's just take a little journey in these opening verses for a moment, please. No, notice what David's... The whole thing just begins with David's plea, really, because of his pain. Notice he says here in verse 1, plea, number 1, plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive. Now, look at the middle of verse 1. Fight. David, could you not get up and fight yourself? No, no. I, I want the Lord to do this for me. Fight against them that fight against me. Number three, verse two, take hold of the shield. He's in a warfare. These are instruments of war. So he says to the Lord, take hold of shield. That's number three. Shield and buckler. And stand up, number four, for mine help. So here's the man who's hurt. And he's saying, I need help. And he's looking to the Lord for help. Oh, beloved saints, are we too proud to look for help? Should you just go on hurting? And then you maybe become difficult to cope with? I love this. Look at it again, please. At the end of verse number 2, stand up for mine 
help. And just to finish the little thing, look at verse 3. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them. Now, it's this expression here. Stand up for mine help. Here's a man needs help. And when you're hurting, you need help. And don't be too proud to seek help. What's your best recourse if you're hurting? Well, David, for David, it was the Lord. What's ours? Very easy. Brother Andrew spoke on it at the opening part of the ministry, I think, in this conference. Hebrews 4 and 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain, obtain mercy and find grace to help. In time of need. You see, God's help is always timely. Sometimes we can come in with help and it's not maybe needed at all. We maybe are well motivated and we mean well, but the Lord's help is always timely. And David, this was a time of need because the man was hurting badly. You know, it is a lovely idea. You get it in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. You remember his promise at the end of that verse 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, I want you to notice two things. 5 and 6 of this lovely chapter 13 of the Hebrews. At the end of verse 5, the Lord promises, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, remember, if you're hurting, don't ever forget that. Ah, but that's not all. Now, that's what the Lord says. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And that emboldens us to say, verse 6 of Hebrews 13, He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we can boldly say, The Lord is my helper. That's what we need. The Lord was David's helper here. He wasn't fit for this, you see. He couldn't handle it on his own. And that's one of the hardest lessons sometimes for us to learn. You know, I remember once I was a very, very aggressive rugby player. I didn't believe in running around a man. I ran through him. That sounds maybe a bit exaggerated, but it's not. And I got quite a bad ankle injury. And I needed help. You know what I did? I played on. And my left ankle, ankle still would be a bit susceptible to, you know, going over in your ankle. You know what I mean? But that's all my fault. Because when I needed help, I wouldn't seek help. David needs help and he seeks help. And the Lord says to us, even today, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. See, isn't it very interesting? I was speaking to a brother, I think since I came to the USA, and uh, I was saying to him something, maybe I was speaking, and we were talking afterwards. I said, you know, I must pursue this. We're great at quoting a verse. And a very good verse, so there's no problem with that. But you know what we miss? We miss the lock-on verse. Like, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Oh, we all quote that and we put it up in text on the wall. But how many times do you see in a text, and keep, I'm not criticizing you, not at all, put it up in every room if you like. The promise, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Do you ever see up in a text so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper? Because that second one, verse 6, is contingent upon verse 5. Now, in other words, we're still looking at his help. Now, let's, let's follow this in the psalm. Didn't mean just maybe to take just as long as that wee bit of it. Now, I want you to come to verse 17. Now, David's very expressive about what the help is that he, he feels he needs. Look at verse 17. And this is where maybe you can come in to your brother, dear sister, in regard to your hurt. 
Lord, how long wilt thou look on? Oh, isn't that a big thing? It's like Mary and Martha. In John 11, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. You get disciples in the storm. They're going, wake master, carest thou not that we perish? You see, they're all wondering, why does he not act sooner? And David seemed to have the same problem, because we're all made of the same stuff. We think when we're in a problem, God will instantly move in. Swipe away all the problems. Sweep them away. It's not always like that. Maybe he's testing us to see how much we lean on him and how much we depend on him. You see, David's saying here in this verse 17, Lord, how long wilt thou look on? But look at the help he's looking for. Rescue my soul. See, it was his soul was hurting. So you see, you see the help he's seeking and the help he wants. Now, there's a lovely little sequence here in these a few early verses that I want you to follow for. When I first observed them, they're really uh, quite a long time ago. They really fed my soul and I wrote them down. I enjoyed them that much. So let's look at it, please. Now, look with me at verse number 3. Draw out also the spear. Now, he's asking the Lord here to take up arms on his behalf. That's right. And you know, right, we have to put on the whole armor of God in Ephesians 6. Well, we all know that. But how does that section begin? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, here it is. Look, please. Draw out also the spear. Now, get this next little expression. And stop the way against them that pursue me. What's he asking the Lord to do here in this verse 3? The first thing he's asking them to do, and it's just what you want done too, likely. You want to get them stopped. Just to, He's really, to, to paraphrase it, he's saying to the Lord, stop them. Stop them. Then look further. Getting them stopped is one thing. I want you to come to verse 4. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be Turn back. I love that. You see, in verse 3, David's asking the Lord, get them stopped. Just stop them. And now in verse 4, he's almost saying to the Lord, now that you've got them stopped, would you turn them back? Just turn them back. Get them away. Now, wouldn't you just like your problem to go away? Your hurt, your difficulty. And you just, David's a man after our own heart. He wants to get them stopped. Verse 3, he wants to get them turned. That's not all. Look, please, with me at verse number, verse 4. Turn them back. Now, look at verse 5, please. Let them be as chaff before the wind, and let the angel of the Lord chase them. I love this. Stop them, verse 3. Turn them back, verse 4. Chase them, verse 5. Would you love all your hurts to be chased away, to be driven out of sight, Get it stopped, get them turned, and then chase them. And indeed, in that regard, just look at verse number 6, please. Verse number 6. Let their way be dark and slippery, and let the angel of the Lord pursue them. Isn't that interesting? Because what were they doing to him in the middle of verse 3? Stop the way against them that pursue me. Isn't this amazing? Here's his enemies, and they're pursuing him. So in verse 4, he asked the Lord to get them stopped. In verse number 3, he asked the Lord to get them stopped. In verse number 4, turn them round. In verse number 5, chase them. And in verse number 6, pursue them. Now, when we just all like when we're in trouble, and I, I'm old enough now, you don't think I'm ancient, you know. 
But I'm old enough to come through quite a lot of experience in life. And there's times I've been hurt. And I'm deeply grateful to God that he has given me much grace not to dwell. You know, you see the hurt, you could, you could get up with it in the morning. You're making their lunch and you're, you're still thinking about the hurt. And you go out to the supermarket and you're thinking about the hurt. And you come in to do the hoovering or whatever it is. Uh, maybe some of you men don't do the hoovering. And, and you're still thinking about the hurt. And then you go to bed at night and you're still thinking about the hurt. You see, you really want to get it stopped, turn round, chased and pursued. Ah, uh, you see, David's just made of the same stuff as you and me do. Let's keep looking, please. And, and I want you to notice something. Now, verse 3 is very important. Now, I'm going back for a reason so that we'll jump forward. Look at the end of verse 3. Say unto my soul. That's where he was hurting. I love this. I am thy salvation. Now keep that in your mind. He's asking the Lord to help him and to confirm to his soul. And he's not thinking of the salvation from hell. That's a great thing we all know. He's really saying, Lord, you say to my soul, I am thy salvation in regard to all these troubles and this hurt. Now look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. So say to my soul, I am thy salvation. And then he experiences the delivering power of God and he rejoices in the very salvation that he asked God for. Just a wee thing on, in regard to David's hope and so on. There's a very interesting thing here. Just take a wee look at verse number... Yeah, I emphasize it a little bit just in the reading of the text. I want you to notice verse number uh, 7. For with, without cause have they hid for me their net in a pit. You'd think they're trapping animals, wouldn't you? And notice, please, the pit which without cause they dig for my soul. So they dig a pit. And I think this is, well, in part anyway, maybe it is literal, but he's talking about a pit for his soul. There may be a metaphorical dimension to it too, but look at it this way. There they are digging a pit. And they put the net and maybe a bit of camouflage over it. What's it for? It's to trap David. They're going to entrap him. Ensnare him. Now, listen to the help David's looking for. Now, look at verse number 8. Let destruction come upon him at unawares. You see, they're trying to take David unawares. That's the way they work. Let destruction come upon him at unawares and let his net, I love this, let his net that he hath hid catch himself. I think that's just mighty. And catch himself into that very destruction. Let him fall. So he's dug a pit. He's put a net in it to entrap David. And David's saying, Lord, let them fall into the net themselves. Let the pit they've dug for me catch them. Do you know, you want a, a biblical illustration? You know, the other evening, I can't remember whether it was Hatboroughs in or where it was. I was just in my own readings. I, ran, I read through the ten chapters of the little book of Esther. It was in my mind. I nearly took it up, but I haven't spoken on it this time. But I'll tell you a thing that really struck me. Do you remember the wicked Haman? who hated the Jews and hated Mordecai, the godly Jew. And he had this great gallows built. The gallows built and he wanted to see Mordecai hanging from the gallows. He 
didn't realize the gallows he built for Mordecai, he would hang on them himself. A bit like this. The pit that they've digged for me, and that net, let it catch them. Now, we're going to move from that. David's hurt in the depth of it, and David's hope, and David's help. Now, let's move on to David's happiness. Now, you may say, well, can happiness, well, come out of hurt? I'm going to be careful. It can, but it may partly depend on your attitude. Well, let me prove it to you here now. Now, we've looked at the depth of it. It's hurt in the depth of it. And the help he sought and his hope. And then it moves on to his happiness. Just look with me, please, at verse number 9. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. Dear brother, dear sister, I want to tell you, if you're hurting, you can get the recovery of joy and rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord. I'm thinking of Philippians 4 and verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. But hang on, Paul. These saints are suffering acutely. So they were. And the man who wrote that in chapter 4 and verse 4, in verse 10, he writes, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. Really, Paul? Sure, under Roman imprisonment. You still rejoice greatly in the Lord. Now, here's what I want to say to you, beloved saint. Try to avoid allowing the hurt to rob you of the joy. I'll tell you why. I'm thinking of Nehemiah 8 and 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you're not enjoying the Lord, now you're hardly going to have the strength to face the difficulties. Now that's verse number 9. And verse number... Verse number 9 and verse number 10. Now, I want you to come down, please, and look at verse number... Well, verse number 18. This is Now, this is the end of the second section. I will give thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. Why? Because he found the Lord to be his help. He found the Lord to be his deliverer. And he asked the Lord, was it in verse... Um, in verse number, um, say unto me, I am thy salvation, in verse 3. And now he's rejoicing in that very salvation. Oh, beloved saints, I, I mean this. The joy of salvation is something we mustn't... Oh, you'll never part with salvation. That's an impossibility. But just be careful we don't part company with the joy of it. Because the joy of it will help you through the difficulty. Look at verse 28, please. Verse 28. Um, and my tongue. Now you remember how they were using their tongue. Deceit, false witness. They were up to all trickery with their tongue. Now verse 28. My tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise. Notice all the day long. What has happened? He's got help. And he needed it for his hurt. And he got a lot of help, even though he thought it was long in coming. So don't think you're unique. 
He got a lot of help. In fact, you know what the very interesting thing is? You see, we were here in the Sunday school, you know, you make a statement and say, well, can you prove it? Well, let me say something to you. David says, look, what they have done to me was without cause. Can you prove it, David? What they did for me, it was wrongfully done. They're my enemies, they hit me and, and so on, wrongfully. Can you prove it, David? Yes. Look at verse number 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. So it wasn't, this wasn't happening to David because of his own righteousness. In fact, on the contrary, he was, his cause was absolutely righteous. Therefore, their vilification of him was without cause. Now, it's a great theme, but we must take a moment, please, to look at David's honorable behavior. Because this is, this is where the acid test comes in for us. And here's where I want us to just uh, link in here with me. Um, yeah, verse number 12. Look at verse number 12. Now, we have their attitude. They rewarded me evil for good. See, there's, you want proof that David was being unrighteously treated wrongfully and without cause? Well, there it is. He says, I was good. And I was good to them. And they rewarded me evil. For good. Now, here's where I want you to come to verse 13. Now, can we say this when we're hurt, beloved saints? But as for me, what are you saying, David? Well, notwithstanding their behavior, the wretchedness of their behavior, I have a conviction about what I, did, I should do and did do. So he says in verse 13, but as for me, when they were sick, oh, I was shouting with joy, not at all. He mightn't have blamed them, but he did. When they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting because they were sick. Not with feasting. Fasting because they were sick. You'd have thought he would have gone, yippee, three cheers, they're sick. But that's not what he did, for he's a spiritual man. So this is David's honorable behavior. Look again, please, verse number, verse number 14. I behaved myself. I, I just, I just... I love that verse. It's like Psalm 101 and verse 2. I will, I behave myself, or I will behave myself wisely. David behaved himself wisely. Oh, he could have gone quid pro quo, and he could have, he could have launched into them when they were down, but he didn't. It was the exact opposite. And this is not the Christian age that we're reading about here, but we can learn lessons from it. I'll give you one or two verses before I just step down there in a minute or two. Now, I want you to notice something. Verse 14, I behaved myself as though, listen to this, as though it had been my friend. Look at the psalmist, he says, they're my enemies. Would we be spiritually mature enough to treat an enemy like a friend? That's what he did. This is Christ-like. Look again, I behaved as though he had been my friend or brother. <laughs> they weren't behaving as though they were his brother. And I love this bit. I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth for his mother. People mourn for their mother. And David was bowed down as if he was mourning for his mother. He was really grieving because they were, they were sick. Mm. Verse 15. But in mine adversity... In mine adversity, they rejoice. Now, I'd like to stay with that 
but now I want to give you one or two scriptures from the New Testament that should help us, that will lock into this business of David's honorable behavior, because we've got to get our behavior right when we're hurting. For example, let's take the example of Christ. When he, I'm thinking of 1 Peter 2 and 23, who when he was reviled, he reviled not again. Could we do that, could we? When he was reviled, he reviled not. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Could we be spiritually big enough to do that? I know the standards. I am not disputing that. I need a lot of grace to do this as well as you. I come to Romans 12. That great. You know, there's a section in that chapter 12. We focus a lot on the opening section, and understandably so, but then we miss maybe a bit of the middle section of Romans 12. For example, Romans 12 and 14. And this is really what David's doing. Bless them that curse you. Bless and curse not. So they curse you. Don't you curse them. In fact, on the contrary, you bless them. See, this is honorable behavior. I think of Romans 12 and 17. Render to no man evil for evil. Well, that's what David's... He's, he's leaving the matter with the Lord. He's leaving the matter with the Lord. He's not going to go out and behave the way toward them the way they were behaving toward him. I know the standard's high. Render to no man evil for evil. And Romans 12 and 19. Uh, is, uh, I'll, I'll be interested to know maybe what some of you understand by interpretation. Beloved... Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. It literally means make room for wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, say the Lord. What wrath is that? Well, I'll tell you what I think it means, because I think the context explains that. Beautiful, isn't it? Avenge not yourselves, but rather just stand back and, and make room. Make room for God to do the judging. Now, the reason I take it that that's what it means. To give way to wrath, make room, make room for judgment, for God's judgment, because it's written. God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Will you step back and let God do that? And if we could do that, we would certainly be spiritual. And of course, also, in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 20, how would we get on? Well, obviously, I don't, I don't think I'm your enemy, you dear sisters, boys. Boy, you've fed us well today. You really have fed us well today out in that other room. But how about this one? If thine enemy hunger, feed him. Different story, isn't it? If he thirst, give him to drink. I mean, someone who's your enemy, who's out to get you, who's out to maybe assassinate you. I don't mean physically. I'm not thinking of that at all. I'm thinking of assassinate your character. False witnesses speaking words of deceit and lies. Mm. If thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him to drink. And I'll let you interpret the next bit yourself for in so doing you'll heap coals of fire in his head. You get that into a Bible reading, you get some discussion in that as to what that really means. But I'm not going to worry too much about that. But just, I'm going to draw my remarks to a close. Now, please, please, revisit the psalm. There's so many things in it for us. 
And I hope you'll remember now, David's hurt. The depths of David's hurt. But it didn't end there. Because you have David's help and David's hope. And then we have David's happiness when he tapped into the help. And he laid hold in the hope. It restored his happiness and his joy and his rejoicing. And then we have David's honorable behavior. And that's, incidentally, that's the important thing about those words uh, that we had at the beginning of verse 13, where David said, you see, the but, I understand, I love the English language. I wish I knew some Korean. I've been to Korea twice and I loved it. And the saints were very good to me. And saw that God's hand and blessing in a very definite way. They are so courteous, but I don't know the Korean language. Our brother quoted a bit of it there, but I, I wouldn't be capable of that. And uh, been to other lang- countries too where I've had to use interpretation. But I'll tell you something. You see the little word but? I said I like the English language. The little word but is called a conjunction. It's a joining word. That's what I understand a conjunction to be. Something that joins what follows with what has gone before. So here's what it is. But as for me, this is in contrast to them. The way they treated him was, was it wasn't shabby, it was disgraceful. It was outrageous. So David says, but as for me. It's a bit like Isaiah 53, isn't it? But we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But, but, almost saying, but actually, actually, he was wounded for our transgressions. It's a lovely little joining word, linking what follows with what has gone before. So David says, but as for me, he points out then his honorable behavior in the face of their dishonorable behavior toward him. May God give us much grace to handle the hurt and to enjoy gladness and rejoicing in our souls, notwithstanding the difficulty you're going through. May God bless his word to every heart with what will follow.